Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Awesome. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Happy Friday. Happy Javon Quinterly Commitment Day, July 14, 2023. It's time for the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, Gabe Coon. On Twitter at G underscore Coon 71, you heard him. You heard the big announcer, man. Lineman, former offensive lineman at the University of Memphis. I'm alongside, not Connor Dunning today. He'll be back on Monday. But I'm alongside the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Brad Carson. Hey! At Brad Carson on Twitter. Brad, what's the word? <laughs> Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. I wore my cowboy boots into the office today. I saw today. that. What the- kind of leather is it just, I mean, what yeah. kind of skin? It's <laughs> uh, regular old leather. Straight black leather. Yeah, okay. it's it's that old. Uh, it's what you'd buy at Boot Barn. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna be lying to anybody here. I ain't fancy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll keep it. You real. ain't fancy. I ain't fancy. I hear you. I'd tell you if I was. I'm not. Anything uh, exciting this weekend, or just? So we'll go to the Brothers Osborne show. That's why I wore yes. the uh, cowboy boots yeah. tonight. Yeah. It's at uh, live at the Garden at the Memphis Botanic Garden, the Radiance Amphitheater over there. Yes. Terrific venue to see oh, a show, Gabe. 100%? Have you yes. seen a show there? I have not yet. Well, you got to get over there. Maybe tonight's the night. Get the, get the fiance. Well, tonight over there. ain't the night. Tonight is not the night. What is to? What's the night for? Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm putting you I, on the, the next, spot. The next two weekends, I am. Uh, I'm on groomsman duty. Oh, okay. For some buddies. Yeah. So I am uh, rehearsal dinner tonight. Uh, staying on uh, on site. Mm. On site mm-hmm. for wedding tomorrow, and. Uh, I'll be, helping, I'll be helping a buddy uh, walk down the aisle and get married tomorrow. Is it because you were on a football team that you have so many of these? This is, no, what's funny is these next two weekends, uh, not not guys I played football with. Oh, One okay. I played football with in uh, high school next uh, weekend. Okay. In Florida. I'll be in Florida. All right. Davie, Florida. You ever been to Davie, Florida? I don't right outside I've of Fort Lauderdale? Never been to Davie. Yeah, so I'm on groomsman duty, though. So it, it's going to be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, next two weekends for me going to be busy. You can, be busy. you can hold it down. You know, I, you know. You're a boss. You know. You know I got it. I got it. But we have three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN. And yours truly. I'm going to start with the Javon Quinterly news in just a moment. Um, but also, Big 12 Media Days. We've had a lot of things going along. I talked about Jalen Daniels and his $50,000 chain yesterday. How much I like to see these guys splurge on themselves. But Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State, he is, uh, he's been very ornery about Bedlam not continuing with Oklahoma, leaving, uh, leaving the Big 12, going to the SEC. But he continues to stay as ornery as possible about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State not being played 
all break into that. And honestly, I think there's a lesson to be learned about the future of college football within how angry he is and that rivalry not being renewed or played for the foreseeable future. Also, Tennessee football, thank you. Mm. Gift that get, keeps on giving. They're, they're back on their feet. They, they you know, Josh Heupel was, is fantastic. They've done a good job over there with that football program, but they were waiting on sanctions. They did self-impose, so they avoid a postseason ban, but I'll let you know all the sanctions. And, uh, Brad, I don't know if you've gotten to uncover this. Adam Sparks, who covers Tennessee football for the yeah. uh, Knoxville News Sentinel, he put out 12 texts because there were 6,000 texts uncovered in the investigation <laughs> by the NCAA. These texts are hilarious. Yeah. They are way too funny. We'll, we'll cover those oh, when, we get to Tennessee, about when we get to the Tennessee news. Now, uh, the 5 o'clock hour today is going to be busy. Jeff Calkins, normally at 5. We're going to probably go a little shorter with Jeff today uh, because right after Jeff, we're going to have on Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas to preview SEC Media Days, talk about Tennessee, talk about Georgia. What's going on at Georgia with everything off the field and Kirby Smart? Uh, and then right there at the bottom of that second hour, very excited to bring on Gene Robinson, head football coach at Germantown. He has uh, a camp coming on uh, coming tomorrow. Yeah. Coming tomorrow, um, 10 to 2, 6th uh, to 8th graders will be involved with it, but it's at uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. It'll be the Make the Right Call Camp, the 10th annual one. We'll talk to him about that. And there's some visitors in town because of that. Calvin Austin, Aubrey Miller, Darren Bates, among others, wow. will be will be on, on site for, uh, for that camp. Um, then, because we're having Gene in the normal small talk spot, we're going to have small talk in the third hour along with the Blitz. We'll start uh, the third hour with the Blitz, and then we'll get you out to the weekend, around 6.50 with the Rewind. Now, Javon Quinterly commits to the University of Memphis. How about it? We were waiting on it for a while. Um, it, it sort of felt as if he was trying to see what else was out there for himself, um, and I, I don't blame him. That's good business. Uh, he's got one more year to play. But ultimately, he ends up on campus, um, and <laughs> I mean, when we talk about true point guards, guys that can lead this team, having a good backcourt, we saw with Kendrick Davis what that led to, just consistency, 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 getting into the NCAA tournament without worry. Javon Quinterly definitely has that upside as well. Sixth man of the year in the SEC, uh, he's a tournament MVP, two-time all-tournament in the SEC. He's got some ability, and he's a former five-star very similar to Jordan Brown, who's a former five-star, who was a six-man of the year in the uh, Pac-12 and has a lot of things attached to his name. Just one more year for both of those guys. But uh, first thing, this is going to be an old team there, Brad. This is going to be an old team, especially if DeAndre Williams comes back <laughs> at 27 years of age. I know a lot of people have made the uh, the uh, sort of uh, – The AARP jokes the and AARP all this stuff. The AARP jokes yeah, right, and, yeah. yeah they're know. older than the Grizzlies starting five. Yeah, yeah. They, they really are. They, they, they legit are – Older. So Javon Quinterly is going to be 22, 23. Um, David Jones, 22. Mm -hmm. Um, Caleb Mills, same same idea, 23 23. years old. Uh, Jordan Brown, I think 23, 24. In there. And then DeAndre would be 27 if he ultimately comes back. He's the elder statesman. Listen, but that's what happens, though. You need experience. And it is interesting to see over the years. Think about how Penny Hardaway started his tenure at the University of Memphis. Just a massive recruiting class, number one recruiting class. Wanted all these young guys, infusion of youth. He wanted to grow along with them. He has seen over the years that doesn't necessarily work. Now, two years in a row, he brings in transfers, and he makes the tournament. For a third year, he brings in more transfers that are old, that still have talent but are experienced. 
He knows what he wants now, and it's been a fantastic transition for him. He gets what wins in college basketball, and what is that? That is talent and experience. Now, this team um, is loaded with, with what wins in college basketball. I think it should be, maybe even without DeAndre, a potential top 25 preseason team. I saw John Rothstein today, who does his top 45. He put them at 30, so they're right outside his top 25. If they get DeAndre Williams back, he says they should be a top 20 team. And I, I honestly look at it sort of around the country, considering what they'd have in production and experience, I, I mean, we're talking top 15 team in my opinion. Um, but I think there's a real conversation to be had about this being the best roster that Penny has ever fielded at the University of Memphis. You could argue. You could argue. I mean, like when we look at what could have been with number one recruiting classes, Amani Bates and Jalen Duran. Um, you could argue that he's had rosters with maybe a little bit more talent. But the talent here mixed with experience just makes for a better product, and it makes for a better roster. And Penny, my gosh, what he's been able to do against the clock working this late in the calendar, I mean, you just got to give it up to him. And I see some people get annoyed with the Slick Rick comments and say, oh, well, Slick Rick had his hand. He did have his hand in in this as well. He's, he's known for being able to make these things happen. He got Emmanuel Acott to decommit from the University of Memphis and go to Western Kentucky last year around the same time. But this staff, mostly Penny Hardaway, what he's been able to do, I, you just got to tip the cap. Now, um, this does bring to my attention a, a discussion we've been having the entire offseason about NIL. NIL, you know, Penny's having people over at his house. Uh, Are they worried? Are they scared? Are they not getting the influx of money that they need? I would say I think the NIL situation's okay, or at least acceptable. (laughs) It's at least acceptable. If you get Jordan Brown, Javon Quinterly, David Jones, all of these guys on campus, I would imagine that there was some money involved, and it feels like the basketball program's doing just fine in that department. Now, I, I, you know, Javon Quinterly was still putting feelers out there until the very end, but he ultimately ends up on campus, and you know that there's something waiting for him here. Now, questions about this, uh, this team. I only have one real question. Eligibility is kind of the big concern now, right, Brad? We're looking at Jordan Brown, his situation with – Credits mm. potentially not transferring over mm-hmm. from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's been discussion about him maybe not being able to participate until conference play. DeAndre, uh, a lot of their their ceiling will hinge on if he gets another year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two. When you talk about the front court, Jordan Brown and DeAndre Williams, those are two pretty uh, pretty important pieces. So uh, that's that's the one yep. question I have, uh, sort of overarchingly before this roster's complete and we get into the next year. So I would ask you, the people I've talked to, and we hear from everybody here, right? Mm-hmm. And, and people are talking to different people in these camps. I think the Jordan Brown thing will happen. Now, will it happen right away might be the question because there's some yeah. schoolwork, I guess, that's got to get tightened I, up. That, that's, what my under, that's what I've heard. I don't think that they would have gone out of their way to bring Jordan Brown to campus, nor would Jordan Brown be leaving Louisiana if he didn't feel like he had a chance right. to play either early or play a substantial chunk of the season next year. I think it. you'll, so see, I, you'll, you'll see, see Jordan Brown. You're going to see the kid on campus. Yes, but how quick? 
How uh, quick may, will it be clear? Does it take second till, semester. Till conference, till conference play? Like, you're just going to have to sort of keep an eye on that. And DeAndre, we're just going to keep an eye on that the entire time. I guess another side question, and, and I, I think we've seen sort of a little bit of uh, uh, examples of this not being much of a question, especially last year uh, is where we learned this. How quick does a team mesh with a lot of new faces around each other? Yeah. I, that's the, that's a massive question. I would feel a lot worse about it if it was a bunch of freshmen, but these are experienced players who have been around the block. You'd imagine they'd mesh relatively quickly and understand each other, but they do need to mesh quickly because they have a lot of resume building out of conference games. I think they'll, you have they'll to deal with Mizzou. With you have to deal with Ole Miss, the battle for Atlantis, VCU, A and M, Clemson, yeah. Virginia, Vandy. You have to get going quickly, and you have to understand who's around you. So that, that, yeah. that would be sort of a side question. But I feel like based on last year, you did have a lot of new faces around each other, and they, they came along really quickly yeah. uh, from start to finish last year. It felt like that team was together. Yeah, I mean, the real challenge is when you get into the tournament or you make the tournament because we saw this. I think that was our problem last year. Um, I'm not going to say that we, we kind of didn't get hosed in the tournament, but like teams like Houston, Tennessee, uh, SEC teams, Michigan State, Purdue, Missouri you mentioned, Duke, all of these teams have dudes that are the same age as these transfers that have been in the program for four years together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what you're up against when you get to the tournament. So you can win. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, like, that's there's, your challenge. Th- there's revolving doors around the country, and it depends on the matchup you get. Uh, but uh, back to the— Not at Creighton. <laughs> back to the eligibility conversation with Jordan Brown and DeAndre— would it be Memphis if we didn't have to think about that? <laughs> you know, like it, it, it wouldn't be the University of Memphis basketball program if we didn't have to think about some type of eligibility for meaningful pieces on the team. Well, yeah, but the, the DeAndre is the miracle one in the mix, though. Like, because yep. I, I actually can totally see Penny and these guys, like the Jordan Brown one made sense, the Quinterly one made sense, it's grad transfer, but like. The DeAndre Williams one, man, is yeah, it's that's bananas. Yep. That's bananas. Because you're talking about a kid, this would be like his sixth year and maybe his eighth year of college. But it's always a waiting game on, on trying to see if they get waivers, if they get eligible in time. But that, that's what that's what it's become. That's what that's what we have uh, come to know and love yeah, in the offseason around this program. That's what it is. Um, but overall, I have to say, just considering the vision, considering the time of year we're in, um, the execution by Penny. Oh yeah, it's it's insanely impressive. There are a lot of coaches around the country that try to put together rosters late in the game. I I, I mean, when we're looking around the country and we're looking at transfer portal heroes, Eric Musselman does a good job at Arkansas. I'd put Penny Hardaway right up there with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he yeah. he he has he, no, he has, has a wor- he does work sm- like real work. He has he has staked his claim yeah. up at the top. No no doubt we knew he was a good recruiter, but he hadn't used the portal all that much up until about three years ago, and he's using it in a massive way. Now, one of the things that uh, did arise last night with the Javon Quinterly commitment, Mikey Williams posted on Instagram, and uh, over time had an Instagram post that said, I cannot wait for this backcourt, and it's Javon Quinterly and Mikey Williams next to each other. Mikey reposted it. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know how much you read into it. We're talking about a guy who had his preliminary hearing delayed from June 29th to July 12th, now to September 5th. And you yeah. have to have a lot of questions about, is there going to be scholarships left? Did they recruit over him? Uh, sort of what's the deal? What's that? In the in the meantime, can his uh, lawyers figure out anything to get that pled down to a misdemeanor? It seems hard with six counts 
of uh, felony assault with a deadly weapon. Um, but he he reposted it, and I, I I wonder what type of confidence maybe he meant Mikey to say, and his team have in yeah. him getting to play college ball. Did did he mean to say I can't wait till court instead of backcourt? <laughs> I don't I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. And it wasn't his post. Oh, but, it wasn't his post. Okay. I mean, I guess if Mikey gets on campus at this point, you, you still feel fine about maybe what he can what he can get done. But this backcourt is going to be. Javon Quinterly and Caleb Mills. Yeah, that's and it. And then, like, I, I, I just sort of look at where the minutes would come for him. And mm-hmm. I, he's a four star, five star guy, very highly thought of, celebrity in his own right. If he makes it to campus, I don't know where the minutes are really going to come from. Reserve point guard, reserve mm-hmm. two. I mean, 10, 15 minutes a game if he makes it to campus. And that's still a massive if. But yeah, Mikey I mean, Williams yeah. did repost this. Mikey Williams, I mean, he's I guess he's still in the thought process that he's going to be at Memphis at some point. Feels like more of a G League route might be the way to go for him if he gets through these court proceedings. I, I don't I don't think he'll play college ball. I'll, I'll go ahead that. and say that ahead of time. I mean, considering the timing and, and what the schedule's gonna have to look like, September fifth for a preliminary hearing. Not not like not your second, third hearing, your first hearing is on September fifth. The the season camp is about to get yeah. started. The semester's already started. Mikey may be thinking that he's going to make it to campus, but I just I don't I don't know how that's fully going to work out. And I've said in the past, I think for him, he needs to work through his issues before he worries about playing basketball again. Like there, there are more. There are things more important in Mikey Williams' life right now than worrying about on-court success and where he's going to head with his basketball career. If he can put that stuff behind him, then we can talk about it. Then we can talk about him going G League route, playing college ball, maybe. But, but for now, September fifth preliminary hearing. Unless you do it on Zoom, unless you're back and forth between San Diego and Memphis, it just seems like a lost cause. It truly does. I, I do think ultimately. Penny Hardaway and this staff trying to stick by him does send a good message, though, to him, to the AAU community, to the people around the country that, that Penny and the staff are going to go recruit. He's, he, they have stuck by him this entire time. Did they recruit over him a little bit with Javon Quinterly and all these, all these various transfers? Sure. Um, and I don't know how many scholarships they have left, but I think it does send a good message that Penny has, has stood by him and tried to be there for him in his time of need. I think that's exactly right. But they did it without having to you know, sacrifice the position, really. I mean, they, they upgraded. It, I, it's an upgrade because at the beginning of the summer, we were talking about Mikey Williams as your starting point guard, basically. Yeah. right? And now we've got arguably one of the best t- top 20 transfers in, the, in America this year. And you have an experienced guy in Jalen Young. I don't know how, much, how many minutes he'll get, but he certainly would be a good backup Capable. point guard to have. Jonathan Pierre, I mean, TFAL mm-hmm. Leonard, all these guys can play in the backcourt. Yeah. Um, I mean, so Mikey, Mikey at this point, Mikey is way down the list. I agree. He's way down the list. Yeah. And he needs to work through any criminal charges before we start talking about mm-hmm. him playing ball again. Um, but he, again, yeah. post it on Instagram. I can't wait for this backcourt overtime post. So we'll, that was so bizarre. We'll that's, I, I, that's just bizarre. It threw it. It it, t- it throws a curveball. It, thro- it throws a curveball at you that you didn't expect bit. to see. Right. Um, that was the weirdest thing in the night. Would you agree? Yeah. 
Yeah, I knew. I mean, Javon Quinterly, that's sort of been in the books for a right. couple weeks now. Yeah, we've been sort of alluding to this. Yeah. It, it did feel like that there was more money out there, you know, uh, let's wait a little bit and see what else is going on. You yeah. Know? Yep. Uh, NIL money. But this this roster, if it all comes together, this starting five. Oh, yeah. If you think about a guy in Javon Quinterly who's been around the block at point, at two, you're going to have uh, Caleb Mills, who is yeah. a, a over 10-point-per-game score wherever he's been in college. Then David Jones, who John Rothstein's talked about being a potential conference player of the year. Mm-hmm. Then if DeAndre gets another year, then That's if the Jordan Brown. I, I mean, but if you look at the that, hardest of all of them. If you look at that starting five, it's unbelievable. My gosh, no, it's I mean, up. this this is where you want to be. This is the type of roster that you can make a run in the NCAA tournament with. It's what wins in college basketball. I, th- I even think without DeAndre Williams, this team is going to be great. But we'll, we'll, I would agree with we'll that. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, speaking of DeAndre Williams, he has submitted his paperwork this week. So hey. uh, University of Memphis needs to – it's on them now to submit it to the right. NCAA, and then we're working against the clock. So we'll keep updates on that as we, uh, as we continue to move along. Now, Big 12 Media Days was in full swing this week, and it's about, it's about wrapped up. Um, we heard Brett Yormark talk, talk about conference expansion. We heard uh, uh, a lot of different things from players. Jalen Daniels has a $50,000 Cuban link chain that he showed off with all of his highlights on an Apple Watch. That's ridiculous, by the way. I heard you talking about this, and I had to share this with Jake. I was like, dude, look at what Gabe was. He's like, what is he talking about? I love the splurge. I love them being able to splurge. How much does an Apple Watch on your neck chain? That's- oh, I don't know. You have to get an attachment. So there's a and the attachment is in the He probably had the Apple Watch and then took off the. And there are his highlights in the thing. His highlights are ridiculous. But uh, one of the bigger notes that that sort of came to me in in watching Big 12 Media Days proceed was Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. He is very angry about Oklahoma leaving for the SEC because Bedlam will not be played. He shared his thoughts, he's still ornery about it. And I think it sends a message about where we're headed in college football. I want to discuss that next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ES. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Big 12 media days were this week. They're mostly in the in the past at this point. 
And before we get to Mike Gundy and his uh, his anger with Oklahoma, uh, sort of the story this week, TCU looking at how they won the conference last year and what they were able to accomplish. Um, I think there's a lot of questions about what they're going to get done this year. And, I mean, we're talking about a college football playoff team, uh, talking about a team who made it into the national championship a year ago. Now they're losing a whole lot. They're going to have to try to replenish. But I, I sort of wonder how they're going to look. you got Chandler Morris, who was supposed to be the starter at quarterback uh, before he got hurt. Um, and then you have Trey Sanders, transfer from Alabama at running back. You bring in JoJo Earl, who is a transfer at wide receiver from Alabama. I feel like the, the Big 12 is always so open. I like Texas a lot, but TCU, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a, somewhat of a repeat. Maybe not, maybe not undefeated into the Big 12 championship, but I, I like their chances to be a solid team this year. I don't want Texas or Oklahoma to win this year. I want them to go out losers. And I know that yeah. makes me a bad fan, but it's like, uh, you know, good. stick it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't, I don't. I would enjoy seeing a, a, I, I, one of these other it, teams win the Big 12. It has year. been strange to watch. Like, Oklahoma, I, I, I kind of have them written off. They were 6-7 yeah. and seven last year. You do have Dylan Gabriel back, and you could – Try to do some things on the offensive side, and Brent Venables will get. It did the not go great right for eventually. Him. It didn't go well. The shift that we've seen since Lincoln Riley left for USC between Texas and Oklahoma, and who's more ready for the yeah. SEC? The shift we've seen is pretty substantial. Yep. Texas is way more, way more ready. They have better NIL money. They have better recruits. They they recruited a high level. Steve Sarkeesian does a good job. Yep. Um, now he's going to have to win games. They were picked number one in the Big Twelve preseason football poll. Um, and I think for good reason. I like Quinn Ewers. A lot of people want to down him, but I, I think Texas. I think Texas should be able to clean up. A lot of the talent there. A lot of talent. But every time we talk about Texas, it's like expectation versus reality. Right. Just never quite what we expect. Also, new teams. That was a big story this week. How will they do? BYU, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. I agree with the sentiment. UCF is the is the team that that should be the best. Ultimately, of of the new additions, you have John Rice Plumley still starting. Uh, you still have Kobe Hudson and Javon Baker, really good wide receivers. You're going to have a good uh, uh, running game. Your O-line is, is very old. They have transfer after transfer. They have juniors and seniors all across the O-line that have played a lot of games. And I do think as much as Gus Malzahn has gotten shot down in the past for what happened at Auburn, and you know you, you could argue that he didn't recruit well, and he always beat Saban, but he didn't recruit well, and he had his issues, and, and – ultimately went out on a low note. I think he is used to being in the Power Five, and I think he'll be able to manage that schedule week to week better than any of these other additions. Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Satterfield, hadn't recruited well. No Ben Bryant, who actually kept them afloat last year. Houston, I don't believe in Dana Holgerson. He had one time over. He tried to get it done with West Virginia, couldn't quite get over the hump, and then that fell through. BYU, I think good fan base. Mm-hmm. They recruit okay. They they, they'll their, be all right. They have their base. I think they'll be fine, but I think ultimately going into next year, I think it'll be yep. it'll fall flat. So UCF, I agree with that sentiment that that they'll be the best of the new that additions. Fair. Now, Mike Gundy, Mike <laughs> Gundy at Oklahoma State. He's been there a while, and he he he's an alum. He's an alum. So I get his sentiment about Oklahoma leaving for the SEC and how Bedlam will not be played. Um, but he's very ornery about Bedlam not being played for the foreseeable future. We have some sound here. This was Mike Gundy at Big 12 Media Days. The Bedlam game is over because Oklahoma chose to leave the Big 12. Period. It's got nothing to do with Oklahoma State. So, do I like that? No. Do I like that 
conferences have broken up in the past? No, I don't. But I also know that we have to control what we can control, which is um, conference realignment is there. It's probably still going on. And wherever we all end up and whatever schedule they give us to play, we go play it and do the best we can. Um, so he's still, he's still angry about it. And I, and I get it. Like, I, I really do. He's an alum, and he's always, when he's played, when he's coached, he's always played that game, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. And you're removing it from the schedule, and I think a lot of people, especially regionally, uh, people in the state of Oklahoma are going to be angry about that for some time. But I think the bigger conversation to be had, even sort of, outside of if that game will be played ever in the future, is this is another example of college football tradition mattering less and less when the money has got involved. TV contracts have swayed Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC. They want to make more money. They're not worried about renewing rivalries or keeping rivalries around. And I've had this conversation with you before, Brad. We had it last week. We've talked about it, yep. It's why I get almost a little defeatist about the future of where we're headed in college football. We, we, we just think about like the past couple of years, NIL, one-time transfer, player movement, player freedom. We've had influential people, Nick Saban being a, a, a guy that's at the forefront, Kirby Smart, other guys. We've had influential people in college football call for employee-employer relationship, for college football to break off from the NCAA and govern itself, and... I look at these TV deals, I mean, billion and billions of dollars in these TV deals in the Big Ten and the SEC. These TV deals are going to succeed. The TV ratings will match. You have marquee matchups. I talk about it. There may be less in the Big Ten, but in the SEC, think about like a bad week as Texas versus Mississippi State. Unbelievable. Like that's a, that's a, that's a very middling yep. mat- matchup in the SEC, but that is, that's good TV. People are going to tune into that. And I think ultimately for the Big Ten and the SEC, if they see these TV, TV ratings go up with marquee matchups, what do you do? You create more marquee matchups in the future. And then also just look around the country at all these other conferences, Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, they're reeling. We have ACC teams looking at their grant of rights, what well, we did, looking at their grant of rights deal that expires in 2036 to, seal it, to see if they can – Get out of it and jump to another conference. Like, that was a news story. Pac-12's looking for a TV deal, and they can't seem to find one. So Pac-12 teams have been linked heavily to the Big 12, and some, Oregon and Washington, linked to the Big 10 already. Hell, San Diego State doesn't even have a conference right now because they're they're shaking. They don't know know where this is headed, and they want to be a part of the party. Everyone is shaky about what games – about what programs will matter going into the future. And I, and I get it. If money talks and money talks only, I know how this ends. The haves go their merry way and operate amongst themselves. The have-nots operate amongst themselves as well. Separate, complete championships, and TV ratings for the have-nots go down. TV ratings for the haves go up because you have more marquee matchups. And I don't think this is immediate, so I'm not trying to push a ridiculous panic alarm about the next few years, right? ACC has 2036 on their grant of rights. There's, there's some deals that are a little ironclad that you have to look at. But I, I look 15, 20 years from now, where are we at? What programs matter? Does Memphis matter? Does UL Monroe 
I mean, I know they don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but are they even in the same entity with the likes of Alabama and Georgia and, you know, Oklahoma, Texas? Are they still there? And, and like, I, I, I just look at the way this has progressed, Brad. We've seen money get chased. We've seen money get chased. That's all that's been chased the past, right. you know, yeah. few years. Does tradition hold it off? I'm very skeptical. I don't uh, think tradition holds it off ultimately if yeah. money is on the table. Yeah, you've talked a lot about this, and I think you know it better than anybody because you've played in these games. You know, like this is why, like, when you get to play in that Ole Miss game, like it means something. You know, and so does Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Those teams have played forever, and it's a big time rivalry. But it's, you know, I, I think, like, I always question why is Rutgers in the Big Ten. Right. And then, they you, already got their seat, though. Yeah. Northwestern. They, Northwestern. They got their seat, Vandy in the SEC. But I think that we need to start talking less and less and less about how many butts are in the seats because the reality is when they build these stadiums now, they build them smaller. Look what San Diego State did when they built their new facility there in San Diego, and they're going to be in a Power Five probably. Like mm-hmm. It's 35,000. Like That's what the number is now. So what I was saying is, like, it, I, not that it doesn't matter that there's not people there, but like it kind of doesn't matter a little bit because they're trying to put – that's why, that's why Houston is in, the, is in the Big 12 right now. Like That's why Cincinnati is in the Big 12 right now. That's why they're looking at MS, SMU to be in the Well, it's in, about in money and investment in your, in your athletic department. And I feel like there's a, of lot, there's a lot of schools that have shown an ability to do that. I think Memphis has done that. They've just missed I the do boat. Too. But I, I just look at the, t- the, the TV money being chased – and I just, I am very concerned. I'm very about concerned. About rivalries. About the About rivalries. the future. Like, the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State is, is traditional of a rivalry. As good as it gets. On Fox. Yeah. Uh, national TV. Mm-hmm. In prime time. It is traditional, is traditional of a rivalry we've seen in college football. It's yeah. not getting played. That's it crazy. will not be played for the foreseeable future. Eight, nine, ten years from now, it still won't be being played. So that's going to happen more, you're saying? I think the tradition is less of a it's less of a need for some of these conferences when they're chasing money. That's what what I'm getting at. What about Notre Dame who There's gets to no, play all of these rivalries that are traditional? We'll see what Stanford, happens with them. At some point will Notre Dame have to align with a conference? I think there's a lot of people calling for that already. Yes. Right? And they've called for it with the Big 10. Like it would make more sense with the Big but 10. But they're an outlier. But I, I, I mean, just, they're, they're I, an outlier. I just I I look at traditions being washed away. And I see where this is headed. We're not worried about tradition of college football, which a lot of people care about. That's what really has made the product. You know, regional rivalries. It's been largely a regional sport. It's becoming more national very, very fast. And when it becomes more national, when you create these marquee matchups, when you get better TV ratings, when you see those marquee matchups, where does it stop? Where does the greed stop? Does tradition even matter at that point? I don't think it does. So it's just, I, 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 this is me getting ahead of it. I, I think this is 15 to 20 years from now we're having this conversation. But have some foresight on this. It's pretty clear the direction we're headed. And I, I don't know how many schools would be involved with the, you know, the, the big have uh, national championship. I don't know how many schools are, are going to be What's the in number these when super it's all done? conferences, yeah. if you will. No. But you can see where this is headed. Uh. You can see where it's headed fast. That's, that's the point I'm making. Yeah, I mean, right now, could, it's not going to be like basketball where it's a 64, is it? 
Is it 64? No. It's 32. No. It's more like 32. No. It's it's two It's two leagues. Yeah, well, I think we're talking haves, have-nots. I think whoever, whoever makes the cut yeah. of the power conferences is in, yeah. and they'll, they'll operate on their own, and the other, the mm. other have-nots will operate <laughs> on their own as well. Wow. And that will hurt them pretty substantially in their programs. I just, again, the, the question is, what programs, what games, what matchups will matter in the future? And I think we're starting to see the writing on the wall. And we have been seeing it for some time. Now, Jeremy Pruitt, <laughs> Tennessee, hammer thrown down today. Well, not not really. I mean, there was a On lot. Him. There was eighteen level one violations, um, and I'll, I'll get to the amount of individual violations that they put out there. It's pretty insane. But Jeremy Pruitt, for his time at Tennessee, gets a six year show cause penalty for the Tennessee violations, plus a one year suspension if he's hired at a school during that time. Tennessee, though, because they supposedly got ahead of it with the NCAA, they do not get a postseason ban. They do have five years probation, though. Um, it's, it, this, is, this is wild to me, though, because you look at the amount of violations. Uh, it's been explained as hundreds. According to the NCAA write-up, over 200 individual violations in the time that Jeremy Pruitt was at Tennessee. He was doing work. He was getting after it. He was getting after yeah. it. Yeah, he comes from that uh, that Alabama tree, so I, I, maybe he's used to used to operating that way. <laughs> but uh, sixty thousand dollars worth of impermissible benefits found. I thought the number would be higher, mm-hmm. but I guess sixty thousand is pretty substantial in the eyes of the NCAA. Um, Twenty eight scholarships will be taken from Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee already has self imposed sixteen, so just twelve more over the next five years, and. Just looking at the size of this investigation, it kind of blows me away. And what they found, it kind of blows me away. And I know that, you know, the people are still, uh, Phil Fulmer's gone, you know, you you don't have uh, uh, Jeremy Pruitt there. I do find it interesting that Tennessee didn't get any type of postseason ban or anything even more than what they have right this second with their probation, five year five years probation. But the argument is that they got ahead of it. It's a lot of scholarships. It's twenty eight no, and thirty six. But we're talking about two hundred violations that were no, overseen in that athletic but department. Eighteen level ones. They put 18. it all on Pruitt. They put it all on Pruitt. That's why the long show cause. No, I get that. I understand that. And, I hear and, and it probably explains why Jeremy Pruitt through this process yeah. where he was supposed to be, you know, Kevin Steele gets the job at Alabama. He was being rumored at Alabama right. to be the defensive coordinator this offseason. It probably explains why Alabama was not able to make that hire. Right. One year suspension and then six years of show cause. Yeah, you, you don't employ a guy like that <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a defensive coordinator. So that, that sort of explains it. Um, no bull ban is huge, though. Like, to your point, you did all this work. You're, they're playing a bowl. Like, there's no way they were going to give them a bowl ban. <sighs> 18, not, not with the way they're rolling 18 now. 18 level one no. violations. That is an insane, <laughs> exorbitant number. 200 violations, 200 plus violations all said and done. That is an exorbitant number. You would think that maybe a post, if there was ever going to be a postseason ban headed into the future of college athletics, this would have been the one where a postseason ban, a bull ban would have come down. And it didn't. And it didn't. So I think maybe there's a conversation to be be had about the NCAA and where where this whole thing is headed. Do they really have as much power as they want to have? Clearly they don't. And they're they're just sort of they're they're flying by the seat of their pants right now until we get to the future of uh, maybe a potential college football break off the whole nine yards. But the NCAA is toothless right now. If they sucked, they would have gotten one. They would have gotten a bull ban if they sucked. If they sucked, 
I believe that. I totally believe that, Gabe. Uh, you don't believe that? You don't think if they went two and twelve or you know no. one, t- two and ten, they'd. You know. I mean, this is the NCAA we're talking about. They don't really have say over TV contracts, and make all. They don't make a whole l- bunch of wealth off of football anymore. That's uh, the TV contracts are handled by each conference and everything. Like, if you're going to make the argument that, you know, I'm they, not they, making it. I'm just. curious. If you were to make the argument that they're good for the sport right now, which I do believe, Tennessee being good and, yes. and back in the, you know, at least maybe challenging Georgia for the East and the SEC. Uh, that makes for good TV and good TV ratings, but I, I, considering this is the NCAA's penalty, I don't think they would think yeah, about it. That I got gotcha. you. So I don't think even if they were, I mean, yeah. it, it looks like this is just the toothless NCAA passing <laughs> down what they can: probation, show causes, the whole nine yards. Um, now Adam Sparks, who works for the Knoxville News Sentinel, um, <laughs> there were six thousand texts that were recovered by the NCAA during the investigation as a whole. And Adam Sparks, God love him, went through every single one and gave us 12 in the Knoxville News Sentinel article he wrote. He gave us 12 of just the most ridiculous texts you you could possibly imagine. They did not make this hard. Let me me put it that way. They did not make this hard. Uh, One, the first one he brought up, I told Pruitt you had it all set up. Pruitt told UT investigators that he was shocked that members of his staff paid for impermissible recruiting visits. Um, but there was a text from one of his staffers saying, I told Pruitt you had it all set up. He said he didn't know about it. Text says something different. Uh, the next one, this is, this is my favorite one because it has to do with a quality control guy and a coach telling that quality control guy about work phones. He taught him a lesson about work phones. Um, there was a, uh, there was a UT quality control coach, Larry Harold, who sent out a text on October 27th, 2020, we're trying to do some epic S. We're trying to do some epic S. Now, uh, you had uh, Shelton Felton, who was another coach on the staff at the time. The, re- the reply text to this, hey, don't text stuff like that to a school phone. <laughs> he didn't know. Oh. He, he, had, he hadn't gone through the runaround of work phones and how easily accessible they are and how you have to uh, show everything. Incredible. It shows everything. The next one, if funds are low, this was from uh, – this was from, I believe, Brian Niedermeyer. He said, if funds are low, is there a reservoir? Is there a reservoir worth of money, more money. that they could delve into <laughs> and pay more money for recruits, everybody? And, and Brian Niedermeyer, by the that way. That is a good one. Brian Niedermeyer, I mean, considering his, his sort of uh, role in this, he was, he was a loose <laughs> cannon. And he was a tight ends coach at the time. Yeah. He also, like, I think during the investigation, Mark and uh, Jeffrey were talking about this. Yeah. His explanation for the amount of like transactions he had in his bank account had to do. Dad. He said, yeah, yeah. He said that. Uh, he said that his girlfriend likes expensive things, so he had to. He, <laughs> he pays exorbitant amounts of money. I love to, this. to take care of her. Um, this is great reporting. Then there was another one. Uh, NCAA rules. They sent out NCAA rules, and they were trying to explain. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, the recruiting dead period be, will be extended to April fifteenth, keeping coaches away from recruits for over a year. Uh, the reply from uh, Shelton Felton, again, who was a, a coach on the staff, was thumbs down. He put two thumbs oh, down emojis. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was a, another one. All right. um, let's see. This was Drew Hughes. Okay. Um, and this was on uh, January 11th, 2020. We Wait. all know what we're doing. No, you don't. 
You did not know what you were doing. <laughs> you had no idea. He wrote, we all know what we're doing. We all know what we're doing. Um, and then this is my favorite. And I, I think I'm going to leave you with this, this one. This is the mic drop. This, this is the best one. Um, you had uh, Bethany Gunn, who was the recruiting coordinator at the time, and Chantrese Boone, who was the assistant recruiting coordinator at the time. Yeah. And on October 10th, 2020, there was a uh, exchange. One said, this is too messy, sketchy, illegal to leave details, like who is coming out. And then the response was like, can we be efficient at this time if we don't have a full head count? And then Boone responded to that. I guess Bethany Gunn sent the original text. Yes. Boone responded to that by saying, this is getting hella ghetto. <laughs> Only our coaches <laughs> get people to come visit, and we don't know who's all coming. <laughs> oh, so we don't know about work phones. Awesome. Awesome. We, uh, we think that the recruiting situation going on at Tennessee, it was getting hella ghetto. Of course. Um, I mean, good Lord. Did you read the They not- made this too easy. This was a layup. This was an absolute layup. I, I, th- I thought the text messages were good. While, you were, while we were in break, I did see the Knox news story about some of these coaches they were considering. Did you see the list? Like, it was some of these Let's dudes. Let's hear it. Well, they have Hugh Freeze on there. Yeah. The, the text of Fulmer's email was written to the chancellor. So this is a rough draft of, like, hey, here's what we're going if, if Pru- with the Pruitt situation if he's fired. And he's got, um, well, let's see here, Billy Napier. Okay. T. Martin. There you go. Sense. Uh, Shane Beamer, Justin Wilcox were considered. Uh, Bill O'Brien went to Alabama, of course, instead of taking their job. This is after the Jamie Pruitt. This is after firing. the debacle. So what about Shiano? Was Shiano in there? I didn't see Shiano in here. They include Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, Jeff Monken, Blake Anderson, then at Arkansas State. Liberty coach Wait, Jamie. Jeff Munkin was on there? Yes. Triple option Jeff Munkin? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Nice. The rest of the Fulmer list featured coaches who were considered for other jobs oh, in God. late 2020 and early 21. Jamie Chadwell, Tony Elliott, Virginia coach. That's, uh, a, that's a long list. Mike Elko, Joe and Brady. You, were, you remember that, that. I do remember that. That coaching time. search. It was ridiculous. The amount of pressure. One final name a head scratcher is they point out Alex French. That name doesn't match any known candidates for college jobs in recent years. Um, Alex I, the, French. The one, that, the one that you just mentioned that just makes me laugh. Jeff Munkin. Yes. Triple option Jeff Munkin. He was talked Army. about for a lot of jobs, but though, Gabe. At Tennessee. I don't could you see imagine? No. Could you imagine the the Tennessee fan base if they knew that a triple option coach was coming? Oh my God! Good lord! They would, they'd lose their mind. They would go bananas. They'd riot. They'd burn the place down. Yeah. Well, I, I think they probably would have. And gotten, I think Greg Schiano, they dang near burnt the place down because they said that Greg Schiano could have been the next. Coach. Well, before the debacle with Pruitt and and Fulmer, of course, becoming the athletic director, they had considered Mike Leach was a big topic of conversation. That and remember mm-hmm. they they finally bowed out of the Mike Leach thing. I think Mike would have been fine there. Now, I don't think he would have done as well as they're doing now, but Mike probably would have been okay. Yeah, I had my questions about Heupel, but Heupel is... My Heupel's worked out He is awesome. He has well, shown it's, me. It's the recruiting, too. Like, they got the recruits and the system. They got both. They're NIL collective. They have the so much cash. Unbelievable. Oh, they're building a hotel. Spire, Spire Sports Group is, yeah, is sort stupid. of who, who runs that. Yeah. They have done a great job. They're trying to make Vol football national again, right. which I completely understand. And they're succeeding. Been a while since the it's been since the nineties since yeah. you really had that national viewing of of the Tennessee Volunteers. And yeah. we're, we're back. We're back. 
to, to them being a Rocky national top. brand. Yeah. Now, um, Jeff Calkins will probably have something to say about this, among other things. We'll talk about the Javon Quinterly commitment and everything else. Jeff Calkins will join next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.